right, Revelation 21. I just was smiling about a couple of things. One is, here's my sermon from last week. <laughs> I don't need that. And I love that song. Thank you for singing that. That was, that was great. I haven't heard that song in a little while. It's a good one. Grace and peace. Glad you guys are here today. And we have uh, just a little, little thing going on in our uh, church family this week. We told you back in January, probably, that a couple of times this spring we were going to do an instrumental worship service on Wednesday night. And so this coming Wednesday is our second instrumental worship service that we're doing. And the teens are leading that. And they, our, most of our teens are gone today on a, on a retreat, so that's why they're absent with J.E., but they've been working uh, for a couple of months, at least, on Wednesday nights. They've been staying late. And uh, so he, he just told me that they are learning and they, their hearts are full of excitement and joy to uh, share this with you. They, I appreciate their willingness to... That takes a lot of guts, actually, you know, to, to get up and lead worship for a church. And so I appreciate they're going to do that. I hope you'll be here Wednesday night to encourage them and be a part of that. We're also going to take communion together this Wednesday night. And part of the reason the elders decided to do that is we almost, so a lot of you have never been to Wednesday night. You don't, or you don't come very often. You don't know what goes on there. But we have a lot of people who come on Wednesday night who don't get to come on Sundays. In some ways, it's almost like a different little church family, and uh, although it's still Gateway, and so we are going to have uh, we're going to have communion Wednesday night, specifically because those folks that don't get to be here on Sunday, either they work or situation in their life doesn't allow them to be here, and we realize we have lots of people who've been going here for a year or two, and they've never got to take communion with our church family. So we're going to follow what Jesus said in the Bible. He said, as often as you do this, remember me. And so this Wednesday night will be that night, as often as we remember. So I hope you'll come and be a part of that. It's going to be a great uh, time of communion and also worship. We've been, at our, here at Gateway, it is our habit at every day or every Sunday, we pray for a different church in town. Uh, one of the other churches in our village, and we've been taking a break from that for several weeks, and we've been praying for different groups in our church. And then uh, next week, our kids stay in here with us. The kids stay in on the last Sunday of the month. So next week, I hope you'll plan to be here, and we're going to pray over your children. That's going to be the group we pray over next Sunday morning. And then after that, we'll get back to praying for other churches. But today, I, I just I want to ask this. I want to ask how many of you are uh, members of the Gateway Church of Christ. Raise your hand if you're a member of the Gateway Church of Christ. Okay, there's a bunch of you here, and I want you guys to know that are sitting around and you're not. We're, we're thankful for you guys. They're, really, this church is a different church every single Sunday because we're in a tourist town, so it's a different group of believers every single Sunday. But very, very rarely do we ever just stop and recognize, here are people who've said, I want to be under the guidance and leadership of the elders, the shepherds here at this church. And that's what I want to do today is I want to pray for the members of the Gateway Church of Christ. If you look in your bulletin, there should be some on the pews, I believe, or you may have picked one up. And if you look inside, it says the name of the ministers. Who are the ministers? The, uh, the preaching minister, the worship minister, uh, the youth minister. I think it maybe it has Margot's name in there, uh, minister at, at 
Christian services. And then it says, who is the minister to the community? Who does it say? Every member of Gateway Church of Christ is a minister to this community. And so those of you that are here and you're a member of Gateway, I, ho- I hope you're comfortable. You know, we hope the heat is turned up right. We hope your pew is comfortable. We hope you get encouraged today. And, and, and that's all good, but quite honestly, that's not our purpose here. We're not trying to make you happy and comfortable. If you thought we were, I'm sorry to burst your bubble. We're here to do what the Bible says, to equip the saints. And we hope every Sunday that when you come and you join together here, that you get equipped to walk out and minister to your friends, to your coworkers, to the people in your neighborhood. That's why we gather here, so we can walk out and be the body of Christ in the place where we live here. So I'm not, I, haven't, I haven't, didn't know how to do this today for sure. And so I, I think what I'm just going to do is, is this. I, I know some of you are not members of Gateway, but maybe you're a member of another church. Maybe you're looking for a church, you're a guest today, and I'm really happy you're here, and I hope you're encouraged But I'm just going to ask that all of us stand up, and I'm just going to ask you to grab the hand of the people around you, grab the hand of somebody next to you, and uh, in just just the unity that we share in Christ, let's grab a hand, let's hold each other's hands, and I want to pray over us. I'm going to come grab a hand too. I don't have to stay up here. Can I get in here? Okay. Let's pray. God, we are thankful that you came up with this idea called the church. Thank you, Lord. Uh, thank you for the fact that a lot of times it's, uh, it's a struggle, it's a pain in the rear sometimes, quite honestly, God. Just to be honest, it, we get on each other's nerves, we don't like each other, we have to forgive each other, we get mad at each other. Uh, we, we, but, but God, there's so many good things about it. And that's actually a good thing too because that's one of the ways that you teach us to be more like Christ. But there's so many good things. We get to share our joys. We get to share our burdens. We get to share the births of uh, new, new children. We get to pray over Corbin and ask and beg for you to save his life. We get to be there at the end of each other's lives as we step across into eternity. On and on, God, it's such a blessing to be a part of a church family. And so I specifically, I want to pray for those who are members here at Gateway this morning. And I ask in the name of Jesus that you would equip us to boldly step into this community with love and compassion, no judgmental spirit, no holier-than-thou attitude, but with the servant heart of Christ, help us to step into this community and to be the body of Christ. And we pray it all in the name of Jesus, and everyone says, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we are at the very end of our series called Jesus Is. We've been reading through the whole New Testament. I got a little ways behind, and uh, I've done that several times in the last three or four weeks. And I'm actually right at Revelation chapter 1, is where I'm at, and, I, and I'm just sharing with you what I'm going to try to do this week. I'm going to try to find about an hour to an hour and 15 minutes, and instead of reading two chapters a day this week, I'm going to sit down. I did this years ago, but it's been a long time. I'm going to try to sit down and read the entire book of Revelation just in one setting, and I think the time that I did that, it gave me a different perspective than trying to read it one little bit at a time and dissect it, but just get the whole trajectory of what picture 
John is giving us in Revelation. And today we'll be preaching from Revelation chapter 21 and 22. As we get there, um, I might just ask you if you know who this guy is. Who is this guy? Arnold. It's not Arnold. It's Arnold. He's from Austria. That's about all I can say. And I'll be back. That's about it, okay? Uh, I'm not good with those kind of impersonations. But, you know, every now and then it's fun to say that, uh, just to be a nerd or something, you know, when you're leaving to go somewhere. I'll be back. And we just remember this movie from the 80s or whenever it was. But some of us have had people who told us that they would be back, and they let us down, didn't they? Maybe a friend or a spouse or a loved one said, I'll be back, but they never did come back. And I'll tell you, when that happens, and it's universal, it happens to everybody on different levels in this world, that that is real pain, real rejection, and it causes it to be difficult for us to trust other people who say later in our life, I'll be back. We're like, yeah, right. Sure you will. John 14 this morning, Rod read for us that Jesus said, not in an Austrian accent, but just in his Jesus voice, I'll be back. I'm going to prepare a place, and if I prepare that place for you, I'm coming back so that you can be where I am. And I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart that I believe him. I believe him. I trust him. He has proved himself over and over and over in my life. He has been faithful when I have been faithless. He has kept his word every single time. And I believe with everything inside of me that Jesus is coming back. Isn't that great? That's good news. We're going to read today from the end of the book. From the end of the book, coming attractions. What kind of place is this that he said, I'm going to prepare a place? Well, what does the end of the book tell us he's going to prepare? So we're going to be reading from Revelation 21 and 22, and we're going to read almost the whole two chapters. So I'm going to read pretty fast, and it's not all going to be on the screen. If you want to get your Bible, you can. I'll put a few verses up here. But if you don't have a Bible and it's not on the screen, you can just close your eyes and try to imagine, what is this place that Jesus went to prepare? I'm going to start in Revelation chapter 21. Verses 1 through 3. John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. You know, one of the things that catches my attention is the way, sorry, I've got some gum in my mouth. I don't know how I, I never have walked up here with that before. I'm just going to stick it on my notes right there. One thing that really sticks out to me when I read that in, in chapter 21 is the way that heaven is described as being so, listen to this word, physical. Not misty, cloudy, ghost-like, floating around on clouds for eternity in a church service. Now maybe it will be that way, and if it is, I bet it's going to be awesome. That's just not the way that John describes it here. 
he says, it's still heaven and earth, but it's all new. He says it's still a city, but it's a holy city. He says it's still a wedding. It's just that it's between us and God. And that's really the whole point, isn't it? Us and God. That's always been the point. I want to say something that some of you may not agree with. The point of the Bible is not salvation. Not the point. Salvation is a means to get to the point. The point is God and us. The point is a relationship with God. And God says this. He says, I will live with you. You will be my people and I will be your God. The mission here at Gateway is not to get saved and get everyone else saved. That would be missing the point. Getting saved is just a matter, I'm sorry, a means to what the real end is, and that's getting close to God. So our mission here at Gateway, you guys from Gateway, say it with me. Our mission at Gateway is to grow closer to Christ and to encourage others to grow closer to Christ. And we get glimpses of that, don't we? of what it's going to be like to be with God, to live with Him. We have these moments, we have these seasons in our life when we feel incredibly close to Him. But living on earth is a battle, isn't it? It's a battle to keep growing close to Christ. So many things seem to block the way. So many things seem to knock us off course. So many things seem to stand as barriers to us getting close to Christ. And so to me, it's awesome to read from Revelation 21 and 22 and see all that God has done to remove every one of those barriers that we feel here on this earth. They're going to be gone. Let's keep reading and see. Think about that. What barriers is God removing? Chapter 21, verses 4 through 8. He's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I'll give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, and the idolaters and all liars, they will not be consigned, or they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. What has he removed? Verse 4 says that he's removed sorrows and tragedies and death. Have you ever felt separated from God because of the tears that were pouring down, because of the tragedies that happened in your life? Have you ever blamed God before? Have you ever questioned God? Have you ever felt far and distant from him because of those kind of sorrowful things? Those will all be gone. Those won't be a barrier anymore. In verse 5, have you ever felt 
Like it's just the same old thing. I've had people actually tell me that before about going to church. Oh, we raised our kids here. You know, they're out of school now. They're doing good. It's just the same thing, John. It's the same old stories. All we're doing is studying out of the Bible. Sorry. (laughs) And it's just the same. It's just like, I want something new, man. I want something exciting. I've had people say those kind of things to me, and I get that. I feel that way sometimes. Things get old. But you know what? God promises it is never going to get old in heaven. He's made all things new. Maybe in your life you felt thirsty for something. It could have been something good or something bad, but you were thirsty for it and you went for it. And you gave your whole being 150% of all you had to get that thing you were thirsty for. And it separated you from God, really just your energy of giving it all. And here's what God says He's going to quench that thirst, the water of life. We're not going to be thirsty anymore. And what about sin? Have you felt separated from God because of your sin, because of an ongoing struggle that you have in your life? Thank God, sin is going to be destroyed. Now, there's a warning in this verse right here in verse 8, and we'll get back to that in just a few minutes. But make no mistake, God is going to remove that barrier It's not going to separate us anymore. Not going to feel distant from him because of that. Let's keep going and see what else. How does John describe this place that Jesus has made? Chapter 21, starting in verse 9. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I'll show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. And one of the gates, on one of the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Heaven is going to be a city, a beautiful city. And I've noticed something about cities. Maybe you have too. They are crowded. I mean, we live out here kind of in the rural little quaint village of Rudoso, and I get frustrated when, you know, I have to wait for 15 seconds to turn left. Cities are full of people. I recently watched this movie called Passengers, and it's about these people that It's a sci-fi movie about these people who get on a spaceship and there are 5,000 of them. They're leaving Earth and they're going to another planet. By the way, I'm not going to spoil this. I'm just not going to tell you more than you see in the, the, what's that thing called? The trailer, thanks. So they're on this ship and they're going to go to another planet and they're going to set up life there. And, and it's going to be traveling for like 200 years, something like that. And then when they get there, they'll wake up a year before they get there, and they'll have a year to get acclimated and get to know one another, and then they'll land on the planet and start this new life. That's the whole basis of, of the movie. The problem is one of the passengers wakes up, 
early. There's a glitch, and he wakes up about 160 years before they're going to get to the planet. And this, this spaceship has everything on it. I mean, everything you would want to do, everything that you could ever imagine that would be fun, all the food you would want, the drinks you would want, the entertainment you would want. You could even spacewalk, put on a spaceship and go out in space and walk around. I mean, you could do anything you want. And he is miserable. He is depressed. He becomes suicidal And the reason, even though this is a science fiction movie, that that's a truth is because we were not created to be alone. We are not created to be isolated by ourselves. That's why God, that's why God has given us the church, small groups and relationships to get us ready for living in this beautiful city. But I got to tell you, God loves people. He loves lots of people, and you need to get used to lots of people because that is going to be your future forever, is lots and lots and lots of people. Let's keep going in chapter 21 and see what he says. Verse 15, the angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the cities, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square. As long as it was wide, he measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and high as it is long. The angel measured the wall using human measurement and it was 144 cubits thick. The wall was made of jasper, the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone, The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the lamp and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light. The kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. I wonder if money or stuff or materialism has ever separated you from God. I wonder if your pursuit of more has ever stopped you from getting close to God. Let me tell you, when we get to heaven, He uses money to pave the streets. He uses the most valuable things that you could ever hope for to put on the walls and make doors out of. He's going to make that never again a barrier between you and him being close. I wonder if there's any of you that religion has ever been a struggle for you. I meet many, many people who say, I love God. I think Jesus is awesome. I'm just not sure about religion. For some people, Religion itself is a barrier between them and God. At least that's how they feel. 
And this text says there won't be a temple in heaven. There's no need for religion anymore. In fact, heaven is measured as a cube, a perfect cube. Do you know the only other place in the whole Bible where anything is ever measured as a perfect cube? It's the Holy of Holies where the very presence of God is. John is telling us, you're going to go live inside the holy of holies. You don't need religion. You don't need a temple anymore because you're going to be with God. He's going to remove that barrier if that's one that you feel. And I wonder if any of you have ever felt that darkness has hidden God from you. You're looking for him, but it's so dark. Maybe a dark season of your life or your, your childhood was dark or, or perhaps a situation that you're in now feels dark. Many theologians and great preachers and people who've led many people close to God, men and women, have talked about a time in their life they call the dark night of the soul. When although they know all these things to be true, they can't sense God being there. They can't feel God's presence. It is very, very dark, and maybe you have or are experiencing a time like that, and you feel separated from God. God in heaven is going to shine so bright, he'll chase away all the darkness, all the darkness. It won't be a barrier between you and him ever again. Chapter 22, we'll read just five more verses here to see what is this place that Jesus is preparing. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. It sounds like to me God is giving us back the Garden of Eden in the middle of the city. With the tree of life is going to be right there, right with the water of life running right through the middle of the city. God is going to fix What we broke in Genesis chapter 3 and what every one of us since then has broke. God is going to restore every single thing that we've lost on this planet earth and here in our lives. He's putting it all back together. And best of all, we're going to be close to God. This is not some rock star who shows up every two or three millennial and does some kind of concert and you get to sit in the 27th row and say, wow, he really is awesome. This text says that we're going to be so close. Listen, we're going to see his face. Other places in Revelation describe a wedding table and a feast where we'll actually sit and eat with God. We're going to be close enough to gaze into the eyes of of love and compassion that have been watching us all of our life. Well, what are we supposed to do in the meantime? I mean, that's what the Bible says that 
it's going to look like at the end, at least the best John can use language to try to describe it. This is what Jesus said, I'm going to prepare this place. What are we supposed to do around here until then? Well, the end of the book gives us some pretty good clues. Revelation 22, verses 12 through 19. Jesus' words, look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. I'll give to each person according to what they have done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears him say, come. Let the one who's thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life come. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. I don't believe this text is meant to discourage us, to make us think, well, I did tell a lie, so I guess I might as well Just go ahead and get ready for God to send me to hell. It's not what it's meant to do. The text is meant as a loving warning and reminder to us to do several things. First of all, to keep doing good. Are you encouraging other people right now with your words and your actions? Then keep going. Are you using your talents for the kingdom of God? Well, keep doing just that. Are you telling others about how good your God is? Keep it up. Keep doing these good deeds. What else should we do while we're waiting? Verse 14 tells us to wash our robes. This language about robes always deals with sin. So confess. If you haven't in a while or never before, confess that you indeed are a sinner. Ask Jesus to forgive you. Ask Jesus to give you His robe of righteousness to cover you. Be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit to be raised up to walk a new life. And fully trust the sacrifice that Jesus made at the cross on your behalf. Wash your robes. Keep doing good deeds. What else can we do? Verse 15, we can keep fighting temptation and sin. The devil does not win when he tempts you and you trip and fall, he doesn't win. The reason is because 1 John tells us that the blood of Jesus continually washes away our sins. And the devil knows this. He he knows he's not winning when he trips you up and you fall. The devil only wins when he tempts you and convinces you to give up. When he says to you, you've always been, you've always been a mean, 
power hungry, lustful, angry, selfish liar, or some combination of those. So just settle in and be that, because that's what you've always been. So just settle down and just be what you are. And we who believe say, no way. We're not going to settle down for that. And the reason is not just because we got to grit our teeth and try harder so we hopefully can be good enough to get to heaven. The reason is not that. The reason is that's not who I am. You're a liar, devil. That is not who I am. I'm a part of the bride of Christ. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. My destination is heaven. And so I'll get back up and I'll run back to the Lamb and I'll repent and I'll follow him again because that's who I am. Bless you. What else can we do? One last thing, maybe two last things here. Verse 18 and 19. Keep reading the Bible. Don't let this thing that we've done, two chapters a day, be the end of your experiment. Keep the habit up. Keep going. Let's keep reading the Bible. I want to read a part of a letter. I had asked, I'd asked you guys to either write me a letter or tell me what this series and what this reading the Bible has meant to you. And this was a letter that I received from Gary Perry. He said, I just want to let you know how much this series has meant to me, how much have I enjoyed reading through the New Testament. Due to all my medical problems, it seems that each day I come closer to the end of my time here. And that's true, Gary. I don't know for sure what your medical condition is, but that statement is true. You are getting closer to your end of your time here, and so am I. He says, I found much comfort in knowing that when I pass, I'm going to see Jesus in a much better place. I'm encouraged by that reassurance. Of course, I, like everyone else, have much business left undone, but just know that I am prepared, and I now stand ready to meet Jesus. Reading through the New Testament, and these lessons have been a great joy for me. I may live another 10 years or another 10 minutes, just in case it's the latter. Thank you, Gary. Thanks, Gary. I hope you've had a similar experience. I hope this has touched your heart to be reading each day through the New Testament. Keep reading the Bible. And let me say this. Don't. Don't make the Bible say what you want it to say. I'll make you a deal. I'll do my best not to make the Bible say what I want it to say. And how about if you do the same? Let's just make a pact with each other. Let's do this. Let's not make the Bible say what we already believe before we open it and read it. I know what I already believe. I know what I think. I know what I was taught. I'm going to read it, and it's going to mean that. Let's not do that anymore. Let's read the Bible and let the Bible speak where the Bible speaks. Let's believe what the Bible says. Let's just take the word at its word. And that brings us to the last words. Not just the last words of Revelation, but the last words of the whole book. The New Testament, the Old Testament, the whole deal. The last words. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. The last word had to be grace, didn't it? 
That's been the point of the whole book. From Genesis 1 through the end of Revelation, he's always been inviting you and me to come. And he's provided every single thing that's needed by his grace. So today, the Spirit and the Bride are inviting you once again, one more time, come. Come get a free drink of the water that is living. Drink deep from the well of God's grace today. It's an invitation, folks, but I want to tell you this. It's also a warning not to take the offer for granted, not to keep putting God off. I'll do that one of these days. I'm going to do that someday. I'll take care of that one of these times. When I get older, I'll get right with God. Folks, today is the day of salvation. And the reason is because Jesus is coming back. And nobody knows the day or the hour. So this invitation is for you. God's grace has been good enough to give you another one today. If you need to respond, you come while we stand, while we sing. I'm going-